We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast. My name is Jeremy Stoltz. I'm the publisher of BearReport.com. Here today with Bears insider Aaron Lemming on what is probably could be considered by a lot of Bears fans a little kind of a mini Christmas day. Would would you agree? Yeah, I, I think so, man. Uh, this is definitely, at least for me, this is the start of the season. Uh, we're four games in, a little late, and a one and three record, but uh, it's finally started, and I think we're going to have a uh, fun next 12 games. Yeah, and if you, in case you've been living under a rock and haven't heard Mitch Trubisky uh, officially named the starter for the Chicago Bears, Mike Glennon has been demoted after a very forgettable four-game stretch. But I think, like you like you said, it's it's almost been like we've been in the preseason the last four games. And uh, now the season really starts, and uh, I, I think I mean, you called this first off. You said this is going to happen uh, in two weeks ago. Was that the podcast that you said you thought it was going to be week five? I think so. Yeah, I, yeah, you, that I, sounds right. You were ready for it, and I think it it, it makes a, a lot of sense. I mean, you have eleven days off in between games. You have a lot of time to get him prepared. It's a you know better situation. To, to put a rookie quarterback into then you know thrusting him into the halftime of a, a blowout loss or or trying to beat one of the teams that were in the championship games last year I think it, now is the time to do it I think Glennon proved Glennon proved and we'll talk about this but I mean Glennon going way back to OTAs proved that he wasn't capable of getting the job done but you know your just your overall thoughts on uh, you know the move and the decision to, to elevate the kid the kid to the starting position well, you know, I, I think when you when you really look at this, I, I think this has been a long time coming. But what I will say is that I, I think this this last game really put the cherry on the top. You know, I, I, I you know I made the I made the prediction, and you know it's been something I've been kind of sticking by for a while. But I'll be completely honest. I mean, there's part of me that wasn't remotely confident that it was going to happen, but. <laughs> 
you know, and, and it's kind of funny because it seems like the big changes have seemed to come either directly after or have been set in motion uh, after a blowout loss to the Packers on primetime television. I mean, we go back a few years ago, and that was kind of the, the, the deciding point for when Tressman got fired. And then we come back this year, and here we are going into week five with a new starting quarterback that ultimately they wanted to sit the whole entire year. So I think – I think it's really exciting. I mean, but the thing that we need to, or at least I will caution people on, and this is coming from a huge Trubisky fan, is that people need to understand that he's going to make mistakes. Now, he's he's. I think he's going to be 100% better than Glennon. I think he's going to open up the offense a lot. I think he's going to be able to do a lot of things that we were hoping to see coming out of the preseason. But we also have to understand he's a rookie with limited ex- starting experience in college, so he's going to make mistakes. Even look look at Deshaun Watson. I mean, for as good as his last two weeks have been, he's still thrown three interceptions total. So I think people just need to understand you got to take the good with the bad and, and really understand that 2017 isn't the end game here. This is, this is basically 12 bonus games of development for Trubisky, and I think this is ultimately going to set the Bears up for much better success, uh, short you know, short term and long term, but it's really going to shorten the timeline of when they can be successful by getting him in these last twelve games. So that's that's my take. I'm excited, but I also think that the the expectations need to be tempered a little bit. I mean, this isn't going to be. Uh, we're probably not going to see him do what he did against the Broncos in preseason. I think you know the the defense is obviously going to be much tougher and much more complex, and he's not starting off with an easy team. But I think there's going to be a lot of good, and you know there's going to be some bad. But we just have to take the good with the bad. Well, I think most people realize that it is there are going to be some mistakes. And anybody who expects Trubisky to be perfect is you know, kind of a moron, uh, in my opinion. Uh, you know, like you pointed out, even with Deshaun Watson uh, almost beating the Patriots, throwing I think he tied a rookie record uh, yesterday for with five touchdowns for a rookie quarterback. Uh, five total touchdowns, four passing, one TD, uh, or one rushing. But like you, like you pointed out, he's still making mistakes. Uh, you know, Deshaun Kaiser, they threw him out there in Cleveland. Uh, and, and that's a situation that is somewhat similar to Trubisky in, in terms of what he, he's, he has to throw to, Kaiser, uh, up in Cleveland, something I want to get to. But you bring up a good point. He is going to make mistakes, and when you're throwing to – uh, the caliber of receivers that that Bears have right now, I mean, uh, when Kendall Wright and Marcus Sweeten are your top two guys, you can't expect them to be winning a lot of those 50-50 plays that guys like Aaron Rodgers uh, you know, and uh, uh, ben, ben Roethlisberger, you know, the big-name quarterbacks, they have that luxury. They have those those big-name big num- big number one wideouts. Matt Ryan has Julio Jones. You know, uh, Andy Dalton has AJ. The Bears don't have anything close to that. So, uh, you know, uh, there aren't going to be a lot of opportunities for you know, or I, I don't foresee the wide receivers bailing him out in a lot of these uh, 50-50 opportunities. So he's going to have to be crisp. He's going to have to be clean. He's going to have to play really smart. Otherwise, yeah, he is going to make mistakes and he's going to turn the ball over. I expect that to happen. I don't think, I mean, like I said before, if you, if you expect him to be perfect, that's silly. Those are, you know, your expectations are way out of whack. But that said, I've, I mean, I've, I've seen him play since uh, rookie minicamp. And I said it back then, the kid's for real. And I'm with you. I'm excited. I'm, I mean, I, I don't even call myself a Bears fan. I, I grew up a Bears fan, but I'm not a Bears fan anymore. But I'm real, real excited for what uh, you know he's going to bring to the table because I think he's going to make mistakes. But, man, I think he's going to make plays, and I think he's going to make a lot of exciting plays because 
That was the biggest thing with Mike Glennon is that he was unable to extend plays with his legs. He was unable to move in the pocket. If if uh, protection broke down, he broke down. I mean, it was a mess uh, if everything didn't roll correctly. And even when everything did roll correctly, he was uh, inaccurate. Uh, he, he couldn't get past his first read a lot of times. And that might be a, a little, an issue with Trubisky, but I've seen Trubisky go through his reads in a way that uh, Lennon was never able to do. So, uh, you know, I, I, Lennon kind of laid his own bed, and now we get to see what a real, you know, what a quarterback with some, some mobility can do because now I think you can run the bootlegs. You can run those uh, those rollouts that we haven't seen since week one, since Lennon was uh, destroyed on his first roll. Have they run a rollout or a bootleg since then? Do you remember seeing one? Um, I want to say that I saw one, I think it was two weeks ago, but then again, oh man, it's these. It's hard to even pay attention to the offense when they're on the field unless I'm yelling at Glennon through the TV. I'll be honest. Yeah, it was, it's, it's been rough. And well, Let's talk about Glennon here because we were talking a little bit about Trubisky. But um, to, to kind of finish that thought first, I think the mobility factor – uh, which Trubisky does a couple of things. I think it open up, opens up the playbook, allows you to run those plays that you weren't comfortable running with Mike Lennon, but it also allows you have an, the opportunity for your quarterback to extend plays or to at least move around in the pocket and buy a little bit more time, things that Lennon wasn't able to do. I think that alone is going to be the, the, the thing that uh, is, no, is most noticeable uh, with Trubisky, other than probably his ability to throw on the run. But again, that, that goes back to the, roll, the rollouts, the bootlegs, and his ability to extend plays. So all those things, I think is going to result in a lot of big plays. Is he going to make mistakes? Absolutely. But I said from day one, the kid's for real. I'm really excited for it. Now, let's talk about what Glennon did uh, to to really get put in this situation. And then we'll discuss whether what he could have done to maybe not uh, or to still be the starter. But uh, what did we uh, – we figured out his yards per attempt. Well, his, his average yards was six uh, on the season per attempt, which is just so – so sad in, in so many ways, but uh, passer rating of 76.9, uh, mobility rating of zero, uh, eight turnovers over the first four games for the guy who was supposed to come in here and not be the anti-Jay Cutler and be the guy who was supposed to turn, uh, you know, take care of the football. And none of those turnovers happened in the first game. So those eight turnovers is all come over the last three contests. Bears were luckily able to win one despite him, but, uh, you know, he didn't play well. He didn't look good. The offense didn't look good. Let's say Glennon did look decent. Do we? Are we still talking about Trubisky though? Was he? Was he really just a stopgap, or did? Or is this really based on his performance and the fact that he just kind of stunk out there? Oh, I hundred percent think it's it's all about Glennon right now. I mean, they can they can say whatever they want in terms of you know Mitch Trubisky's ready. Yeah, but he wasn't ready three days ago. So, you know, that the, the whole argument kind of goes out the window. You know, they can't have it both ways. But, yeah, I mean, when you really look at things, I, I think that his performance, when you looked at week one, I thought it was it was passable. It was so-so. I think everybody was kind of calling it good enough, fine, whatever it may be. And that's cool. I mean, if that's if that's how you want to run your baseline of, you know, your your average performance or your first start in however many years and that's fine. But the problem is is he got worse. And it and it and the a lot I worse. think the, Yeah, a lot worse. And that's the thing because you look at what he did in week two and he was just awful. I mean there's really no other way around it was awful. Uh week week three, um he wasn't very good. He threw one interception, should have had another one, but the thing is he only threw for hundred and one yards. 
And then you go in the last week, and and here's the thing, okay? The the Bears defense, they ha- they have a pretty good defense. I'd say probably bordering top ten to top twelve. Uh, they're still not getting turnovers, but here's the thing: if your if your defense, you know, gives up a long drive like they did against Green Bay, and they get a touchdown, the first thing that you should be doing is not turning the ball over right off the bat. Then what does he do? The first thing he does is he drops back. He has what five or six seconds in the pocket. He had. Uh, Zach Miller wide open. He sits back. He hesitates. He takes a sack. He fumbles the ball, and then next thing you know, a pl- what is a play or two later, all of a sudden it's fourteen and nothing. And and that's I think I think you nailed it on the head. The biggest thing is those eight turnovers. And for a guy who's not going to give you much else, uh, you cannot turn the ball over. And that's just and it wasn't even so much you know sometimes with the interceptions is the is the fumbles and the fact that he took so many sacks and the lack of mobility and the fact that defense i mean it was honestly embarrassing the fact that defense was stacking eight or nine guys in the box saying okay we'll stop your run because we know you can't throw the ball and then glennon comes out and he throws the ball and anytime that he throws past five or ten yards it's almost an interception because he's so inaccurate and he's so indecisive and he's he's just no confidence so I think you know when when you when you really look at what Glennon did, I think it was really a worst case scenario for him, and and it's weird because when you go back and you at least when I watched him, especially at North Carolina State, he wasn't this kind of quarterback, and I think for the first few games with Tampa Bay, he wasn't that kind of quarterback either. But he played for such a bad team, for such a bad offense, uh, behind such a bad line with really no targets outside of Vincent Jackson that first year in, in Tampa Bay. It's almost like it it really screwed his development up and he really never rebounded with the confidence aspect. So I think, like, I don't know. I mean, really it's just the, the ability to not do anything except bad things. I mean, you really look at it and, and I, I'm sitting back there watching the game. And after I finally realized, okay, the, you know, this last game with the Packers, it's like, okay, after I understood the bears are not going to win this game, they're not going to go two and two. There's not going to be some miraculous recovery. And, you know, maybe the season isn't lost, and I still don't know if it is because they finally made the switch. But after I finally got past that, it's like, man, just keep throwing interceptions. Keep turning the ball over. Make this as obvious as possible to push the Bears into a situation to where they there's no other decision to make except to bench him. That was my ultimate goal. Like, you know, I would have been irritated with Sanchez, but just put Glennon on the bench. Just, just do it and be done with it because ultimately this is probably the last snap he's going to take as a Chicago Bears quarterback. And I couldn't be happier because he seems like a good dude. But, man, watching him play, I had some awful, awful thoughts about him. Well, and he definitely earned or, or definitely made, you know, much more than he earned. He, he's Mike Lennon's going to do just fine with the 14 and a half, well, 18 and a half million, I guess, guaranteed uh, that he's going to make from the Bears. So I, I don't feel all that, that bad for him. And, you know, <laughs> Trubisky gets... You know, knock on wood, Trubisky gets hurt. We're going to see a whole lot more Mike Lennon in the future. So we may not be done talking about him yet, but he definitely for four. If he only played fourteen games, man, he really didn't do a whole lot to make fourteen and a half million, and ultimately eighteen and a half million. But I do think the situation was really bad for Mike Lennon. I think, and he didn't respond to it well. I I remember the first interview that he gave when uh, during your OTAs. And, you know, he, he kept saying, I just have to worry about this year, this year. And you could tell there, not only did he not exude confidence, and, I, you know, you, you talked about some of that, his confidence eroding, but he, you could tell he felt the pressure of, of uh, and kind of shock of, uh, you know, what the Bears did with getting a first-round quarterback moving up to get him at the second overall pick. You could tell that he knew the writing was on the wall. He wasn't comfortable from the start. 
And I, you know, he crumbled under the pressure. I, we, I know you and I discussed it, and and the and the possibility of that exact scenario happening. And, and and unfortunately for the Bears and for Bears fans, they're one and three because of it. Because like you said, the Bears defense. You said they they are in terms of yards per game, they're a top ten defense. They have the seventh ranked rush defense in the NFL. The problem is they're giving up a ton of points. They're twenty seventh in the NFL in points allowed, and that's just. It has a lot to do with, like you said, there are, there, you know, you if you go out there and Aaron Rodgers wears you down, the last thing you want to do is get a 30-second 30, 30 break before you have to go back out there and face Aaron Rodgers again because your quarterback can't hit a wide-open tight end in the left flat. I, I, you know, it's, I don't think Mitch Trubisky makes that mistake right there. You know what I'm saying? So I, 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 I'm I really looking, I, you know, I, I think eventually it was going to happen no matter how good Mike Glennon played. I think the Bears... You know, unless they were in the playoff hunt, I think as soon as it got out of hand, uh, or as soon as it looked like it was out of hand, they were gonna they were gonna pull the plug on on, on Glenn. And I think they wanted from the very start to play Trubisky. And the fact that Mark Sanchez has been a, a inactive, a healthy inactive the first four weeks leads me to believe that they knew that they, he was ready you know so they were just kind of waiting for that first the, the the good first good reason and also you really we talked about a lot this first stretch of the season is brutal so it wasn't an ideal situation to throw him out here against one of those teams now that now the season uh, it's not lost and we'll talk about this here in a second but you know there's a little less pressure coming out with a one and three team uh, you know you have these 11 days prepare I, I think it's a very good situation for him and I think he could come out and play very well. I, I mean, is he going to come out and light it up and the Bears are going to beat the, beat the Vikings on Monday Night Football? I, I, I can't say that. But I, I do think that he gives them many more options on offense. And if the run games play, uh, you know, it has the success that it's had recently, uh, you know, I think with Tariq Cohen, if they can use the tight ends, I think there's a possibility that this offense can get a whole lot better under Trubisky. Or am I, just, am I, am I a drink in the Kool-Aid? No, I, I think this whole entire offense, the whole entire outlook changed, and I actually work with two guys that are Bears fans. And it's funny because I've been telling them, I'm like, dude, you guys are going to watch this game on, on Monday, and even if Trubisky doesn't play that well, you're going to sit back and be like, wow, this is a completely different offense because everything opens up, and John Fox on the coaches show uh, that just got done ending not too long ago said exactly that. He said, we're going to make tweaks to the offense now that Trubisky's in because of his mobility. And I think that really... I mean that man. It helps on so many levels because I go back and I watched, uh, you know, obsessively, of course, sat back and watched all of his preseason games again and every hardcore fan right there. Hey, you got to do it. You got to do it, man. (laughs) Especially with Trubisky. So you know, and and going back and watching him, what really stood out to me was was the the mobility aspect. But what even more within the mobility was the fact that any time that he's on a run when he makes these throws. And this is something that has been a big change from him since he was at North Carolina. And it's just more of a consistency thing is the fact that when he throws on the run, he squares up his shoulders every time. And every single time, those balls are really on you know, on the money. And that's – I mean he's always had good accuracy. But actually going back and looking at some of his college numbers, he wasn't as accurate on the run as you would think. So I think that's been a big development. But I think overall you look at the offensive line. The offensive line, I mean, this is that was the first game that all five starters were together. It's going to take a little bit for them to get their, their legs under them. I mean, they usually start off a little slow and pick up as things go on, usually because there's always some weird change that happens or an injury, whatever it may be. But 
I just I have a hard time seeing this offense continue to struggle. Now, I'm not saying they're going to throw out 30, 35 points a game, but what I do think is I think you're going to start seeing a more fluid offense. And I think a lot of that's because Trubisky can drop back in the pocket. He has good spatial awareness. I mean, he, he knows when the rushers are coming, uh, pass rushers are coming. I mean, he knows when to step up. He knows when to, to roll out and make a throw. And it's just in in his his release and his decision making is so much quicker and it's almost like it was is it weird it's like you watch him and you go back and you watch Glennon and the whole entire thing's in slow motion so I think when you look at the offense overall I think we're going to see a lot more mobility and I think Tony Romo actually pointed that out on the Thursday night broadcast and he talked about how this offense is more built Dow Loggins offense is more built for a guy like Trubisky because it's almost kind of more like a Kyle Shanahan uh, type offense where they're going to do a lot of design rollouts they're going to move the pocket a lot and that's something that's going to help out the offensive line a lot and in turn it's also going to help out the receivers because when you've got your receivers running a route and they've got to be open in two or three seconds then obviously when you're throwing the guys out there like Deontay Thompson and Josh Bellamy and some of these dudes that they've got out there right now um, you know, they're going to have trouble getting open, although it wasn't as big of an issue as some people may lead you to believe. Now, with that being said, a guy like Trubisky may be able to buy an extra second or two by moving the by moving the pocket, by moving the, the launch point, by moving whatever he's going to do, and that's going to help the receiver. So I think it's going to be a chain reaction. It may take a week or two to get going, but I really think that this is this is a good situation. And the other thing I will point out, and I saw it, and I can't, I can't find the stat right this five seconds – but the Bears actually have a very, very good record against the Vikings at home. Over, I want to say it's the last 16 games. I want to say they're like 13 and three or 12 and four, something crazy like that. So, I, I'm not saying that they're going to come out and win the game. We'll get to more of that in the next podcast. But I don't think they're the the odds are stacked up as much against them as maybe some people believe. No. I think they have a much better shot in every game going forward now. I mean, all everything that you said about Trubisky, I, I agree with. I, I think one thing that will be the result of, of what he brings and, and how the offense changes is that, I mean, toward the end of, of the Glennon, last couple of games, I mean, once they realized that he couldn't do it, I mean, they, even from the start of the game, they were just stacking the eight, nine guys in the box constantly. And Bears have still been able to, you know, grind out yardage on the ground. I mean, kudos uh, to the offensive line of the ground game in general just to be able to grind out yardage against those types of fronts on an on an every snap basis. I mean, rarely uh, were teams using you know nickel dime packages against the Bears, and even if they were, they were still stacking everybody in the box. So I think you're going to see a whole lot less of that now. So you know, you say you, you talked about the chain reaction of being you know, happening out toward the receivers, I think that's also going to trickle down to the running backs as well. And that, you know, Jordan Howard, Tree Cohen are going to have a lot more success. As now, the first time that they run one of those fake stretch runs and Trubisky rolls out the other direction and takes off running and, you know, or and, and flicks a dart 80 yards like he can do or goes out, you know, takes off running, that all of a sudden, all those plays, those those Treat Cohen plays where you've been seeing the last couple of weeks where the defense is just rushing to beat him to the corner, now they're going to be a little bit less hesitant to, to take off in one direction knowing that there's an actual mobile quarterback who can tuck it away and go the other direction and really hurt you with his legs. That that, that threat was never there with Mike Lennon. So I think you're right. I mean, this is a trickle-down effect that, that's going to really impact everyone. And even if he does make some mistakes and if he's not – uh, perfect all the time. Uh, I think that it's just his presence and what he brings in comparison to just the, the, the what Mike Lennon didn't bring. 
is is not only going to open up the offense, but it's going to impact opposing defenses in, in, a, in a very uh, strong way. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they were going to do. And I, I, I think John Foss is right. They are going to change up the offense. They'd be stupid not to to, to not utilize what, what, uh, what Trubisky brings on the run. I think your numbers... Uh, from North Carolina, interesting. You said that he he wasn't that good on the run when he threw in, in college. Yeah, it was something on. Uh, I think his PFF actually did a thing where his his accuracy actually dropped. I want to say it was like fifteen or twenty percent with his throws on the run versus him standing in the pocket. And that was just at North Carolina, and obviously that was just one year. But I definitely remember seeing that because I was a part of my. Uh, you know, part of my overall evaluation of him. And it, sure. it, and I think a lot of it has changed because I've watched every every game that he was in last year. And I think a lot of what changed, like I said, was just squaring up the shoulders. I think that was a big thing for him. And that's something that we've seen. Um, but, yeah, it's I, I need to go back and find that number and I'll, I'll have, to, have to send it to you. But I thought that was very interesting, too, because it doesn't really show up on film. Um, but it definitely shows up on the statue. Well, it doesn't show up in person either. I mean, I can tell you. I mean, I mean, I, I think I wrote about it in training camp about how I felt he was arguably better on the run than he is in the pocket. I think he did, and and he had a couple of throws in the preseason where he looked really good on the run, and you kind of got a taste of what he was able to do. You know, kind of you know, he doesn't have the same type of arm as Jay Cutler, but he kind of has that same flick where he can just you know the ball just pops out of his hand and goes fifty yards down the field. Uh, the, the difference between him and Cutler, though, is that with Trubisky, you have that arm, but you also have a, a high level of accuracy that we saw not only in North Carolina, but I saw it throughout OTAs. We saw it in the preseason. We saw it during training camp. I mean, he's built for the short passing attack that, that Mike Glennon just was not made for. And I think this is his accuracy. And if he can if he can make quick decisions, if he can read defense, defenses really fast, and that those are big ifs right there. Those are the biggest hurdles that he's going to have to overcome here going forward uh, because the defense is going to throw a lot at a rookie. But, I, you know, if he's ready for that and if he can work through uh, you know, work in Dow Logan system at a, at a, a quickly and understand the offense. He should know it by now. I think his accuracy his, is going to be a huge plus in, in these uh, short yardage game because the Bears so often rely when the, in this type of offense you 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 are so dependent on yards after the catch in yak. I mean, and we see it all. The, and if you don't have an accurate quarterback, then he might complete the pass, but the pass might be just a little bit behind the receiver. Receiver has to slow up, and that doesn't allow him to, to you know catch a ball in stride and keep going and run it and 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 get those yards after the catch. You know, if he's beat the defender, having to slow up allows the defender to catch up to him, make the tackle right at, right after the catch. Those are little tiny differences that make a huge difference and what a, a, a wide receiver can do in this type of offense. And I, was, I think we saw that a lot with Mike Lennon. Even when he was completing passes, he wasn't putting them right in the mark. And from what we've seen out of Trubisky on, at North Carolina and what I've seen of him up close, I think he's the type of quarterback who can do that. And uh, I, I'm excited for it. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't think I'm drinking the Kool-Aid too much. I've seen enough of this kid up close. I mean, I, I, I really, really think that... He, you know, he's gonna make some mistakes, but man, you guys are gonna love watching him play. Yeah, and I definitely agree. I want to go back to something that you touched on though, just a minute ago, that I thought was a really good point because 
you talked about Trubisky's ball placement and being able to get yards after the catch. And I, I think this is a really good time to kind of point out, and I know there's been quite a few people have kind of wondered what the difference between accuracy and ball placement is. And I think you perp- perfectly described exactly that because you have a guy in Mike Glennon who had a pretty high completion percentage, but the problem is, is any time that he was completing passes, he was never putting his receivers in a uh, position to really get any yards after the catch or put him in a good position to you know do anything really versus a guy like Trubisky where we saw it in preseason we've seen it uh, I'm sure you know I, I saw it a little bit in camp I mean you've seen it in camp OTAs all that fun stuff and we saw it in North Carolina to where he puts his receivers in a consistent position to not only make catches but be, to be able to gain a lot of yards after the catch and I think that's another big thing that I'm curious to see, and this is just a personal theory of mine. You know, the Bears have had a lot of drops. They don't have good receivers, and I understand that. But what I will say I is, believe, right, hold on, I th- don't they lead the lead in drops right now? I wouldn't doubt it. I, I mean, think, it seems I, like they I, have all, three or four game. Yeah, I'm pretty positive they lead the lead. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. You, but I, I do think that, or, you know, at least personally, and I don't have anything to back this up. Just a theory, but I, I think. If Trubisky comes out and is as accurate, especially with the ball, with ball placement, as he has been pretty much his whole entire career, anything we've ever seen from him, I think we're going to see less drops because it's going to put receivers in a better position. Because the thing is, Zemo and Glennon was hitting these guys and raising his completion percentage. A lot of these were not good throws. A lot of these were low. A lot of these were, you know, off the side, whatever it may be. I mean, it's just... The overall ball placement of what he was doing was never good, and that's something with Trubisky that he's always been very good at. So it's just a theory, and we're going to see how it works out. I mean, like I said, they don't have good receivers, so I'm sure the drops are still going to come, but I'm going to be curious to see if those drops do go down because of Trubisky's accuracy. And like I said, the main point here is ball placement, and ball placement over accuracy. You can have a completion percentage that's high and still throw bad balls. We saw that from from Glennon this whole entire time, but I think now we're going to see – these go hand in hand with each other, and I think we're going to see better results. Yeah, I, I, you might be right. We'll see. I mean, it's it's easier to catch a ball when it's right thrown right at your chest. So uh, you might be right, and, and I think that uh, there's going to be an impact with you know John Fox talked about the creative offense. I think that especially is going to be impactful with Tariq Cohen. I mean, now that you have a mobile mobile quarterback, that op- I mean, you've already tried a, a whole lot of different things with Cohen. I think they're going to continue to try and be creative with him. But now that you have a mobile quarterback, I think you can get even more creative with what you can do with Cohen, especially on these bootlegs and these rollouts and using him as a receiver and and exploiting the mismatches. I mean, an accurate quarterback who can get at the ball to Cohen, you know, the kid's going to catch 100 balls this year probably, you know, if if Trubisky understands what he has in him. And I think he does. So I think that you're going to see a lot... Uh, I mean, as as productive as Cohen has been, I'm really excited to see what, what he can do with Trubisky under center. And also... Don't forget that from day one, rookie mini champ, him and uh, Adam Shaheen developed a, a really good chemistry. They were roommates, uh, and uh, throughout training camp, they they you know they, they found each other a lot because they were working with the second team, second and third teams together. So I think he's going to look more for Shaheen. Shaheen's uh, snap count has risen, I think, almost every week so far. So I I think they're going to continue to. Uh, raise that snap count for him and he's going to be a big bigger part of the offense because i think trubisky is more likely to look for shaheen than 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 glennon was uh and you know one of glennon's interceptions wasn't it shaheen who was running wide open in the right against the buccaneers in the right flat yeah when he forced it in and Deion sims and triple coverage yep yeah that's a pass that trubisky would have thrown to shaheen so uh, i you know i'm 
there's a lot to be excited about uh, in terms of what Trubisky brings to the table. Um, I think we've covered a lot of that. But I think one question a lot of people are asking is, and you kind of brought it up earlier, is, you know, is this season over? One and three. How? What, what kind of chance do the Bears have? I did, I, I don't have uh, an actual number in front of me, but I did do a little bit of research. It seemed like almost every other year, a team, or maybe every third year, dating back to when they, they changed the playoff format, uh, I think it was 1990, every other year, they uh, or every third year, a team makes it. So it's not like it never happens. I mean, this is a... a, a somewhat common thing for one and team one and three team to to do it and uh i know i think the own patriots made it one year one year after going on four so uh, you know it's not impossible so uh, i you know it's not likely but the hard part of the schedule the toughest part of the schedule is over do you think one and three i mean looking forward and looking what they have on the, on the slate here going forward if trubisky does bring to the table what we think he does if the running game continues to play at, at the level that it has and if the defense continues to be a top 10 defense and we haven't even talked about the special teams which has actually been probably the most consistent unit of this uh team what are the what are the chances that, that all of a sudden they can rip off a few wins and get, get right back into this well i'm gonna point to and uh, i'm gonna point to the dolphins last year because the dolphins were either one and three or one and four and they magically turned it around and they ended up having well they went to the playoffs so and that's under adam gase and I don't know that that's very likely for the Bears, but what I will say is I think uh, even decent quarterback play is going to go a long way for this team because the offense not putting the defense in consistent bad positions and at least you know eating up more of the clock and not turning the ball over is going to be big. Uh, I think the likelihood of them finishing seven and nine, eight and eight is still I think would I would say realistic. I mean, you look at especially the back half of the schedule, last eight games. I think there's definitely some winnable games in there, but. I just, you know, I have a hard time, and I, I'd like to keep the optimism. I'm very excited about Trubisky, and I think this is going to be a fun season. I think they'll be competitive. But what I will say is I, I just have a hard time having faith in a team led by John Fox. I just, you know, I, I think two out of these four games so far, and it was a common theme last year and the year before, they've been severely outcoached. And I don't know that putting a guy like Mitch Trubisky in there just magically changes that. It may help a little bit, and I don't think Dow Loggins is a huge issue. But I, I just... I don't know, man. I'm just I'm having I'm having trouble seeing how this is this this type of team is going to correlate into a playoff contender, whether that be nine and seven, uh, ten and six. And I mean, there'll be a long road ahead because they'd have to go what eight and three the rest of the way out. I'm not saying it's impossible, and they could get on a good run, but I I, I still think this is a team learning how to win and learning how to put a good win streak together. I mean, the last time that they even won two games in a row is ranging back almost uh, what two years and back in 2015 and John Fox's first year. I mean, they've I think they're still a team learning how to win, and I think it's good that they're getting Trubisky in there. But I'm more looking at the development of the overall team as a, as an optimistic point outlook, I guess you could say, right now than I am looking at a, at a record, you know, projecting at you know nine and seven or and ten and six. That's just kind of where I'm at, though. All right. Well, let's say this happens. Let's say they go seven and nine. He's good enough to get them six wins here over the next. Uh, what 12, 12 weeks? So if the, so if if he can go five hundred, that puts him at seven and nine. Is that is my math correct? Um, I was just I was just thinking about games, that too. Twelve games, yeah, six wins would put yeah. them at seven and nine. Um, was John Fox keep his job? 
Yeah, man, that see that man the seven. Why did you have to ask me that? the seven, <laughs> the seven and nine? That that's the what I've been wondering because I feel like anything below six and ten and below. I man, I I don't know. I I I've talked to a few people and you know even like Ben Albright has kind of brought up that it's going to take a lot for for John Fox to come back. But I just I I don't know. I I'll be honest and say I I can't give you a good answer, but I will say that you know I I hope he's not back. I, I hope that they show a lot of development this year, and then they go out and get that offensive side. Because I mean, you look at man, you look at what the Rams have done, and it, dude, it's been nothing short of amazing what they've done. What Sean McVay has done with that offense, and with Jared Goff, when a lot of people have written him off going into this year, and what they've done, I think that would be a huge value. And the one thing I will say on this on this Trubisky subject as well, while we're talking about head coaches, getting this guy twelve games and kind of being able to market him to other coaches and other pending free agents, I think is a big deal. Um, so I, I just think there's a lot of positives, but man, I, I, I hate to say it, but I, I just, I hope John Fox is gone after this season. Another thing to keep in mind too, is Vic Fangio was on the last year of his deal. There was some reported strife last year. And I mean, when you really look at this coaching staff and as a whole, I mean, it does John Fox have any remote value when Vic Fangio leaves or if he was to leave? I don't think so. Yeah. Those are great. I, I, that's a really good point about, Trubisky being kind of a, a bargaining chip, almost. Uh, if you want to try and reel in or lure in one of the, you know, that 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 big name, uh, uh, up and coming head coach, I mean, guys might want to, you know, that's a situation that a head coach might want to be put in. You got a decent defense, you got a good run game, and now you have this what we believe to be franchise quarterback. That's a really good point, and if they want to. Uh, you know, if they want teams to be to be interested in them, or I'm sorry, for 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 the good uh, coaches out there to be interested in them coming here, because the other before now, what did I mean? Why would anybody want to come here? You know what I mean? I mean, if they didn't have Trubisky and, the, and Glennon was just out there. I mean, they, they, we'd just be going through this whole process all over again, whether it was John Fox or somebody else. But now, yeah, yeah, Trubisky's that that piece that could, could uh, you know potentially get the next McVay or whoever it is uh, in Chicago, and, and I, I, you know seven to nine, I I still think they probably fire him. I do. I I I think, like you said, they've been out coached. It's 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 obvious. It's clear. And this is a team that has lacked drive, the ability to finish. Uh, you know, I, I'm done with making excuses for injuries. Other teams deal with injuries too, so you know you can't you can't give John Fox another damn year just because you know a couple guys got injured again. I I, I don't see it. I think they're going to have to go eight and eight or better. And, and and like you said, then then if Ryan Pace is still around, then he can go out uh, and and use Trubisky as that bargaining chip. Any you know we're going to talk, be talking about this kid a lot. Anything else you want to say about him before we move on to the other? Uh... No, not really. I mean, just kind of a little little bit before we move on about the you know the the head coaching. I do think I, I know you you don't feel that Ryan Pace is a safe. I, I think he is, but I do think that with starting uh, Mitch Trubisky, I think his his clock has started, and I think he's at very best he's going to get another head coach. But I think that that head coach is definitely going to have to come this year. So I mean. If it was me personally, and this is just my train of thought, if if it's anything short of something that I feel that I can get in the playoffs next season with a coaching staff, I'm cutting bait and finding somebody else because I really do believe that with, you know, you're basically starting Trubisky for almost a whole entire year outside of four games. So, I mean, you're looking at probably this year and next year is kind of a safe zone, but I, I really do believe, uh, you know, and that's giving, obviously giving him some leeway. I really do believe that, 
I mean, this is kind of it's kind of getting to that now or never point for him. So he better realize that if uh, John Fox isn't the coach that he wants or the coach that he feels that can get them in the playoffs and keep his job, then he better make a switch. Let me make you a point about Fangio being in the last year of his contract too. I think if Fangio leaves. The odds of that actually happening under John Fox go down dramatically. But uh, let's move on to a couple of things that happened here over the last few days since we had the, uh, uh, our last podcast. Uh, Danny Trevathan, big hit on Devontae Adams. Uh, what? What? It, he's been suspended two games. Bears uh, won't won't see him until three weeks from now. What did you think of the hit, and did you think the suspension was warranted? Man, this is tough, and I know I'm going to probably – pissing people off here uh well one uh he is appealing it there's some speculation that could go down in one game you know here's here's the thing you know i I think it it was an illegal hit and i'm not going to debate that uh or at least you know if you want to talk about we can but i'm you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try to deny that to anybody but what i will say is i don't think it was a dirty hit i really don't and and I think when you when you really look at the logistics of what goes on with NFL players, I mean, that, that was a play I know a lot of people said, oh, well, Devontae Adams will stop. Well, I got news, man. I've watched that, that replay a few t- different times. And by the time Danny Trevathan made his mind up to make that hit, uh, he hadn't been stopped yet. And I've seen the Bears blow multiple tackles. Uh, and, you know, they, it could have looked really bad if, if Trevathan would have held up or not made the hit and he'd have somehow got away from Adrian Amos and scored a touchdown. Now, I do think when you look at it, I mean, that was scary, man. He got knocked out, uh, and it's it's unfortunate, and I'm glad he's all right. But I, I do think it warranted a suspension just because of, you know, nowadays rules or whatever. But what I will say is I think five years ago this hit would have probably been either legal or he would have been fine, and that would have been the end of it. I just – I don't see any malicious intent in there. I understand why people are so upset, and I understand that people want to see that come out of the game. Just have to understand, man. These guys are really freakish athletes with huge speed and, and and huge strength, and it's not just as easy for them to be able to stop on a diamond. It's instinctual for them, and I think that's kind of hard to take out of the game, regardless of, especially when you got a guy going down on the ground and another one, you know, looking to hit the guy in the chest, and the next thing you know, you know, the the target on the chest is also in the guy's head. I mean, it's just hard to really make a determination in such a short amount of time. That's my take. Well, I can't. I agree in the fact that. This is a very fast game played by freakishly big, fast, powerful players, and you know to to expect them to be able to uh, you know hit a little tiny mark moving so fast is uh, you know it's unrealistic in a lot of scenarios, and we I think that's where we we've seen a lot of the officiating be very sketchy just because they put them in very tough situations where you don't know uh, you know what what is right and wrong after a while. Um, we don't even know what a catch is anymore, but uh, in this scenario, you have. I, I, I don't think I can't. I can't talk about his intent, but I think when when you leave your feet like that and you lead with the crown of your helmet, especially when a player is being held up, you put. I, I mean, we we, we have. It's been documented. For a long time, I mean, that's that's why the rule was put in place. You put yourself and the other person at serious risk of injury. And whether or not he meant to do it or not, that's a stupid thing to do. Like, you can't, you know, you can hit him with a shoulder, but you don't have to leave your feet to hit him with a shoulder. 
You know what I'm saying? You can hit him with a, you know, if you didn't try and hit him in the head, it's fine. Well, then he spears him in the chest because his head was straight down. You don't have to duck your head like that. I think the form and the way that Trevathan uh, approached that tackle is what resulted in, in the injury. Whether or not he meant to or not, that's horrible form. That's horrible form. Why would you, why would you do that? I mean, all you're going to do is hurt yourself and hurt somebody else. So I, I can't say he was trying to hurt him. And, and I'm, like you said, I'm glad Adams is okay. But I think that's a stupid play, and I think he should be suspended two games just for being stupid. Because the last time anybody's ever done that was, what, Brandon Merriweather? Might have been the last person who was actually suspended for something like that, like a spearing penalty. Wasn't wasn't it like Merriweather, right? Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Speaking of people who should be suspended for stupid plays, can we put Marcus Cooper on <laughs> yeah, that list? Yeah, yes, we. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, yeah, so I, you know, Bears are going to be without Trevathan. That's going to, uh, you know, hurt him in the inside because he was actually playing some pretty good football. But uh, two games, one of whatever, whatever it is, won't be that long. They'll get him back, and uh, he'll be back in the defense here. A couple other things here before we get out of here. Uh, Quentin Demps on IR. Uh, I, I don't know if this did this happen before our last podcast. No, it didn't. Yeah. It, uh, I think it happened on I want to say Friday or Saturday. Well, Why did they wait a week to do that? They just well, they just costed themselves a week. I know. They uh, we 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 talked about it a little bit though because we knew that it's, he had, he had been hurt and we assumed that he was going to go on IR. So yeah, that has officially happened. Uh, he will not be with the, in the secondary anymore. We did talk about Amos in the last podcast. That's right. So uh, that has been made official. Uh, and one other thing to take his spot, Trey McBride was elevated from the practice squad. And McBride was a, a former seventh-round pick of the Tennessee Titans, claimed off waivers uh, by the Bears when the Titans cut him at final cuts this year. They dropped him, uh, put him on the practice squad, and now elevated him again. Two catches for eight yards in his career. You think he sees any of the field other than special teams play? I'd like to hope. I mean, it's kind of getting to a point when Deontay Thompson and Josh Bellamy just don't – I mean, dude, they're just they're not good receivers, and especially with Josh Bellamy. He's barely playing special teams from what I've seen. It's like, dude, put the guy back on special teams. Let him serve his purpose because he's not a good receiver. I, and I think – you know, I think we should have a moment of silence for all the Tanner Gentry fan club out there because I think a lot of them had high hopes that when Trubisky was named the starter, that McBride was gonna, or that uh, Gentry was gonna be the guy. But I do think McBride's a better receiver at this point. But and I think a lot of him being sent down had to do with the fact that he was still learning the playbook. So I mean, you got to see what you got to see at this point. But I mean, there's really no savior that's going to come up and really help the Bears or help Trubisky. Really, the only thing that's going to help Trubisky at this point is probably Trubisky himself. Yeah, and, well, we'll see if the coaching staff can give him a little bit of help. Dow Loggins needs to be smart with him. We talked about that. Open up the playbook a little bit. Uh, you know, Still lean on that rushing attack. Don't don't start throwing the ball 50 times a, a game. Still lean on the rushing attack. Use that play action. Use his mobility and be smart with him. Put him in positions to succeed. Don't you know, maybe cut the field in half most of the time and, and, and limit his reads. Uh, you know, but make sure you do do it right with the kid, and make sure that he's developing over the next twelve games. That's it, guys. We are done for this podcast. We we will be back again uh, on Thursday this week, uh, previewing the Monday night contest against the Minnesota Vikings. Trubisky's first start for the Chicago Bears. Very exciting times. But that's it. Follow Aaron Lem Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. You can also follow me at Bear Report. See all the work at Bear Report. Dot com as well as our Bear Report Facebook page. And if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Come talk to us every day at the BearReport.com message boards. We'll talk to you guys later this week. Have a good one.
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.